Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source for insights and best practices on the digital transformation of healthcare. Join host Patty Patmanaban, CEO of Demo Consulting and best-selling author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how consumerism, technology, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with healthcare and technology leaders. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back. And it is my great privilege and honor to introduce my special guest today, Cynthia Brandt, President and CEO of the Lucille Packard Children's Health Foundation. Cynthia, what a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome. Patty, thank you so much for having me. I have really been looking forward to this. I feel like we're on a shared mission, so we have a lot to talk about. Thank you so much. That's very kind of you. Tell us a little bit about the foundation. Most people may not be aware of its affiliation to Stanford Medicine. So maybe tell us a little bit about that and how you got into the foundation, a little bit of your background in that in that context. Thank you for that question. So yes, let's explain our foundation. It's the Lucille Packard Foundation for Children's Health. We're based in Palo Alto. And we exist solely for the purpose of unlocking philanthropy to transform health for kids and moms, starting in our community in the Bay Area and then reaching out to kids and moms and families around the world. And we do that, as you said, by supporting the Stanford Children's Health, the whole enterprise. So it's the Stanford University School of Medicine, what they do related to maternal and child health, and then also the Lucille Packard Children's Hospital, which is part of the Stanford Medicine enterprise. So Yes, we're here to support their work and to bring so many resources to bear on that great mission. How did you get involved with the, with the foundation? I feel really lucky. So this is my first time as a CEO, and it was a chance to bring together this huge passion I have for philanthropy. And I'm glad to talk about kind of the biggest definition of philanthropy and what I mean by that. But to bring that together with healthcare and the the ability to bring science to help humanity. So how do we use the power, for example, of Stanford science to improve care and eventually get to cures for kids and moms? So this is, I feel like my life's work. I'm so lucky to be doing this with our great team at Stanford Children's Health. Thank you for that. And I just wanted to mention that uh, to my listeners, they would know, they would recall that uh, I've had guests from Stanford Medicine on this podcast before, specifically the CTO of Stanford Children's. He talked about all of the technology that uh, Stanford Medicine is bringing to bear on uh, improving healthcare for children and, and for different segments of the population. I'll, we'll talk about that in a, in a little bit. But uh, I want to start with a question. Many of us, including me, don't think of philanthropy as a business, but philanthropy is a business and that business is undergoing some changes too. And you've been in that world for a while. So Cynthia, just for our listeners benefit, just if you can throw some light on the business of philanthropy and what it looks like for your mission at the Lucille Packard Foundation. Yes. So first, let me say philanthropy is really a big picture. So yes, we talk about people giving, 
making philanthropic gifts to things they really care about and impacts they want to have in the world, a lot of people are also giving their time and expertise and as well as their financial resources. And I just believe all of that so much is what we mean when we talk about philanthropy. Now, the business of philanthropy, like so many professions, has become more specialized over time. And at this point, we, within my organization, have maybe six or seven different revenue teams, all running a different kind of business model. So for example, we have a program that works with corporations who want to make gifts and whose employees are donating time and expertise to our mission. We have another gift that people, and another revenue, I would say, where people are making gifts through their estates. So thinking really long-term about the impact they want to have during their life and even after they pass. And then we have incredible programs where people in the community are coming together and maybe having a lemonade stand for their child's birthday or someone recently through their, their child's bar mitzvah raised money for one of our programs at the hospital. So there's just so many different ways to participate. And it's our business, my business, and people in my field to figure out how to do that better and more efficiently and to help make the connection between people who want to make a difference and, and our mission and where we need that. So I would say one of the things specifically that I'm very passionate about is the partnership that those of us who are doing this work have with folks in the organization, in healthcare. So our faculty, our physicians, the administrative leadership in planfulness, in figuring out how should we do this? How can we do it better? How can philanthropy be an even more powerful lever for what they want to accomplish? And then creating really strong business plans. So when I go to a donor who's thinking about making a really significant gift, I can tell them, where will this money go? How will it be used? What impact will it have? Here's how we're going to partner with you over time and bring you closer to what your, your gift is accomplishing. So I think it's a really an interesting time for our work and a time of huge potential. And you were the recipient of a fairly large gift earlier in the year. Could you talk a little bit about that? How did that come about? Right. So I think you're talking about a gift from Elizabeth and Bruce Dunleavy. Elizabeth is board chair here at the foundation, has also been on, on the board for a long time at the Children's Hospital. Bruce is a really long-term volunteer and leader at Stanford University. And they're just incredibly passionate about this work and over a long period of time, developed a great relationship with one of our physician leaders. His name is Dr. Yasser El-Sayed and he leads our maternal fetal medicine program, so high-risk OB. And they have this great relationship over a period of time. They know more and more about what the hospital is trying to accomplish. And one of the things we're trying to accomplish is changing our facilities to, of course, keep up with the level of care we can provide, but also to serve as a platform. So the facility, the building has to be a platform for research and for innovation that, of course, is going to help our patients and their families, but also is going to then just go out and help lots and lots of other people. So Elizabeth knows about this, got really passionate, and they gave us the opportunity to present an integrated opportunity that was supporting the transformation of our, our physical building, specifically labor and delivery and the antepartum part of maternity rooms, and then also a research program led by Dr. El-Sayed, which is going to just completely change 
what kind of help we're able to deliver, not just here, but everywhere for high risk moms with high risk pregnancies. So they got excited. I think they accelerated their gift. They had planned to do things over a longer period of time. And I think you know this, Patty, that Dunleavy's agreed to do $80 million for this facility gift and also the research program. So totally transformative for what we can do for moms. And I think so inspiring. So inspiring. It It is so inspiring. And I'm sure it's going to be a very, very exciting time for you and your team. Let's talk a little bit about the foundation's work focused on children, of course, but within that, there are different aspects of children's health that you focus on. And I think you mentioned earlier on that you mostly focus on Bay Area, but you're also global in your outlook and your support. So can you talk a little bit about all of that? What aspects of children's health are your focus areas? And what does the international part of it look like? So it does start here in our community. And I want to make the point that People think of Silicon Valley, and there's, of course, a reputation here of of people who have a lot of wealth and are are doing really well in technology, and and that's true. At the same time, it's really true that this community is very diverse, ethnically, socioeconomically, in terms of uh, background, where people came from to be here. And so our patient population here at Packard Children's Hospital is very diverse and is a good microcosm for what we're trying to accomplish on a bigger scale. So things that we try out, so to say, like pilot here, then can help far beyond the Bay Area and beyond Silicon Valley. And the example I really wanna talk about is not so much global, but it's California. And it's something I hope is going to scale up across the nation and around the world. It has that potential, but right now there's a care collaborative, two care collaboratives actually. There's one that's about maternal health and one that's about perinatal health. So it's called the CMQCC and the CPQCC. And these are collaboratives of hospitals across California. It's led by folks here at Stanford Health. And it's all about real-time data coming in from 200 hospitals across California and 100 different NICUs across California and using that data on outcomes. Who had a premature birth? What happened? What were some of the causes? What happened for the baby as well as the mother? Using the kind of data at scale to then develop, okay, how do we how do we work with moms who have hypertension, for example, when they come into late-term pregnancy? And developing and testing some of those things here and then producing toolkits and trainings back out to the 200 hospitals or the 100 different neonatology intensive care units, the NICUs, to be able to implement these same changes. And I don't know if you're aware, but maternal mortality in the U.S. is is on the rise. So it's shocking. It's a shocking problem. And premature birth is really a shocking problem. I mean, there are something like across the world, 15 million babies who are born too early, a million of them who die every year. So really massive problems. And In California, in terms of maternal mortality, for example, we've been able to reduce maternal mortality 65% over the last 10, 15 years, working in this collaborative way across many, many healthcare institutions. And that's where I see the potential. It's California now. I'm hoping that with some philanthropy, with other resources, hopefully that we will be able to scale this up and that other 
parts in the US and around the world will take on these same kind of data-driven interventions to improve, improve maternal and, and um, prenatal care and as well as premature birth. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox. That's sort of interesting to hear. I've had the uh, opportunity to speak with several executives from children's hospitals across the country on this podcast. And we generally tend to talk about how we're using data analytics and technology to uh, improve outcomes. You know, preterm births is you know one such that comes to my mind. You know, one of my guests here, they talked about how they use data to really identify the causes for, for preterm births and how they can intervene proactively to you know have a safe delivery and and all of that now it's interesting you're you're in silicon valley it's it's a land of uh, great wealth but from the comments you made it seems like there's also an, another side to it which is you know there's a population here that that does need help and uh, stanford children's uh, lucy the lucille packard foundation you're trying to bring about some degree of equity as well is is an underlying theme that i picked up from your comments did I misinterpret that? Can you talk a little bit about Oh my gosh, we're, we're so passionate about that, Patty, and so committed to making excellent healthcare and health outcomes accessible, more equitable for kids and moms. I mean, we have seen, especially through the pandemic, the terrible disparities in health outcomes. And we have such a commitment to not allowing that to continue. And I think it's a shared commitment from us at the foundation, from everyone in our, our healthcare system, and then far beyond into our community. One of the things at our hospital is that we accept all patients, regardless of their insurance status, regardless of their ability to pay. And this is quite typical of children's hospitals. And for example, we have about 40% of our patients who are uninsured or on public insurance that doesn't fully cover the cost of their care. That's not unusual for children's hospitals. So it's this very mission-driven approach of saying this great healthcare that we provide here at Packer Children's Hospitals and at other children's hospitals has to be available to every mom and every child, regardless of their background. So I think that's a, a powerful message and mission. I hope people get really inspired about children's health and what a great place it is for the mission of healthcare in terms of equity. I am curious to learn a little bit about the work that the foundation does for special needs kids. And, and I'm curious about it for, uh, for a very personal reason. My daughter works in, the, in that field. She works with special needs kids. I'm just very curious to have my listeners hear about the work that the foundation is doing for special needs kids. You must be so proud. I love that your daughter is working in this field. It, it's such a special commitment. At the foundation, we have a small endowment and a small grant-making program. And over the past decade plus, we have chosen to commit all of those resources to helping kids who have special healthcare needs and specifically to making system-level change for kids with special healthcare needs. And I would really frame that again in terms of access and equity. Different kids have different needs and we're trying to, to lift up those who have special needs. And one of the things, for example, we work with an organization called Family Voices. It's one of our, our grantees. There are a number of others in California and beyond. And we're really taking on this question of how do families become more engaged in care for their kids who have 
special health care needs? How do we change the systems and standards of care for insurers, for state agencies, for our healthcare systems? And so really that looking across the system to say, how do we make this more equitable for kids who, who do have different needs than other kids? Uh, but it's it's a huge population actually of children. I think it's I think it's one percent of all kids who who have that kind of medical complexity. Thank you for for sharing that. So we are now coming up on the two year anniversary of a pandemic. I'm sure the pandemic has changed priorities for all businesses, and I'm sure it's changed the way you approach the foundation's mission as well in some way. How has the pandemic really impacted your focus or your mission? Maybe not mission so much, but how you deliver on the mission, given what we've just been through. And can you talk about your 2022 priorities? And by the way, I'm also very pleased to have you as my very first guest for my 2022, my season four of this podcast. So I couldn't be more privileged to have someone like you on this show, Cynthia. Oh, that's so great. Well, let me say to you and your other guests and an audience, Happy New Year. And it's a great time to think about what kind of difference we're making in the world. You asked about our priorities for, for 2022, as well as how the pandemic has changed what we do. And those are very related. I mean, some of it is the needs that have emerged through the pandemic, child and adolescent mental health, for example, such a huge issue. It's something we're focused on, bringing more attention to. and. Also, of course, and I've learned a lot about this from from listening to some of your episodes, the delivery of different care, whether it's mental health or or other things. And for us, it's how do we marry those things? How do we keep that going beyond this pandemic and keep the benefits that we've all seen from doing things more through telehealth and digital health? And the example I want to give is something called the Stanford Parenting Center. And It's some great faculty here who have said, how do we scale up interventions for mental health? And how do we have a longer, more durable impact? Well, let's coach and train parents who spend much more time with their kids than the kids spend with a therapist, for example, or a social worker. And they have figured out during the pandemic how to deliver this kind of curriculum, you could call it, for parents through digital means. That's interesting. Let's talk about that for a minute because we talk about digital health a lot and digital means and modalities for delivering care and delivering healthcare related services is uh, very much mainstream today. Prior to the pandemic, it was a novel idea. You know, it was being experimented, but the pandemic put the whole thing over the top. So what you're saying now is that some of your programs are not actually being delivered through a digital modality. Uh, That's interesting. Tell us a little bit more. That has been such a transformation for all of healthcare. And I've heard some of the technology people at Stanford Health say, you know, this transformation could have taken 10 years, but instead it was like a couple of months and we were totally up and running. So I think for us, it's programs like the Stanford Parenting Center. We have a program or a pilot program, I should say, about type 1 diabetes, and which requires so much ongoing monitoring. And how do we enable parents and families to do that remotely and maintain a much higher level of contact with the care providers from endocrinology that they see? And that's something that 
from a philanthropic point of view, we're trying to fund things like this, both to pilot, as in the case with the type one diabetes intervention, and then how do we think about what should be scaled up now? And even as we enter, I don't know if we call it post pandemic or late pandemic or chronic pandemic, but continuing on into that period of time. Some kind of new normal, whatever. New normal, exactly. We can't let go of those things that we've learned and that have made it more equitable, more accessible to reach other families and kids with some of these healthcare interventions. Cynthia, we're coming up to the to the end of our time here, and I want to touch upon a couple of things. Uh, you know, you you've had a remarkable career, and now you're in a you know fascinating role as the head of the the Foundation for Children's Health. And of course, uh, you know there are some personal aspects of your life as well that have had a big role to play in your success. I'd love to hear a little bit more. For instance, you know you're a member of the LGBTQ community. How has mm-hmm. that played a role in uh, your career progress. Can you talk a little bit about that experience from a personal standpoint and from a leadership development standpoint? Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about that. And, And I encourage all of us in this field in healthcare to just to really embrace those parts of our own background that make us better at this work, that make us better able to transform healthcare and health, especially I'm thinking for kids and families. But for me, being identifying as LGBTQ has meant that I have been an outsider. I've experienced that. Uh, Many people have from different parts of their identities or their experiences. And that's one of the ways that I've, I've experienced being an outsider. And it gives you so much empathy. I feel that that's such an important part of leadership is that that kind of empathy, being able to see and experience and listen for other people and try to understand their experience, and then to be an advocate and to be an ally and to step up and be powerful for that. So I think that's a huge part of my background. It's a big part of my leadership, and I'm really proud of that. Firstly, I want to, you know, thank you for sharing your thoughts and your experience for all of our listeners. Uh, I think this is so it's an important moment. We need to recognize and embrace all the diversity uh, in our community and in our in our population at large. In these times, more so than ever, when the pandemic has really limited human social interaction, and we're all you know you you know getting used to interacting more and more through virtual means, and the human connection seems to have receded at least temporarily. You know, at least from a person-to-person, in-person kind of a. So there's. There's a lot of things that are going to change, I think, because of the fact that we've all gone remote, you know, it's all on Zoom and all of that, but uh, we can only be optimistic and hopeful about the future. So we're coming up to the close of our time. I want to leave, leave you with one last question. If any of my listeners want to get involved in the foundation's work, what should they do? That's the best question ever. And I want to encourage all of the, the audience to see yourselves as philanthropists. First of all, you are doing great work. You are working to make health better for more people, more accessible, transform health. And so I hope you will take the next step and think about that in terms of what you can give back financially, as well as your time and expertise. Our foundation is a great place to do that. Our website is just the acronym for Lucille Packard Foundation for Children's Health. So that's lpfch.org. And there's a giving page. We'd love for you to come there and give. I also just want to make a uh, the case to reach out to the Children's Health Hospital in your community. There's so many amazing 
children's health organizations and hospitals around the country doing great work. And I think your audience, we share so many things in terms of how we want to transform health. And I encourage you all to step up and, and find the place where you can make a difference with your philanthropy. Thank you. Cynthia, thank you so much for those really, really inspiring comments. And uh, I wish you and your team at the foundation all the very best and for a very, very successful 2022. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you, Patty. Best wishes to you and your audience and Happy New Year. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can reach us at info at with your feedback and questions. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox.